0: Welcome to this abbreviated worship service provided by St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbonnais and Kankakee. I'm Pastor Mike Hannell, and I'll be leading today's service. You'll hear readings from God's Word, a sermon, the Lord's Prayer, and receive a benediction. But before that, a few quick announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. You are also welcome to join us for our regular in-person worship schedule with social distancing practices in place, meeting at our downtown Kankakee location on Saturday at 5 p.m. and at our Bourbonnais site on Sunday at 8.30 and 11.05 a.m. Today's service is a rebroadcast of last weekend's in-person service. If you want to listen or watch any of our services, you can visit our webpage stpaulslutheran.net And click worship on the menu. And keep up with us on our Facebook page for more information of any changes that may become necessary. We pray that you are blessed by the Lord's words this day. In our readings today, we consider some of the struggles of being generous. We talked earlier about how God is the owner of everything, and everything that He gives to us is a gift. And how the best way for us to live is to be generous as our Father in heaven is generous. But if you've lived in this world for long, you know that generosity isn't easy. And one of the problems behind our difficulty with being generous is that we find that our heart has already been divided. Our heart is sometimes attached to those possessions, those treasures that we have. And so our readings today deal with this difficulty from a number of different angles. First, our Old Testament reading from the book of Ecclesiastes is that wisdom that we hear usually attributed to Solomon, that he tried to live every kind of way and found that that in the end, all of these different ways of living were meaningless. That is, in and of themselves, to be rich or to be poor— it meant nothing. It meant nothing without that first relationship with God, without our hearts being first directed to Him, and only then will things start to make sense. I said to myself, Come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness, and what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water gro- to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing with, that my eyes desired. I refused my heart, no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. This is the word of our Lord. Our epistle lesson today comes from 2 Corinthians 9, where we're going to hear the punchline that God loves a cheerful giver, but as Paul talks about that, first he has to explain to the Corinthians that that you have to plan this giving, that it it can't just happen, and so what is wrong with the Corinthians, as they're living right now, is they have no plan to give. They're giving giving is tied up by their own hearts and their way of living right now. And Paul compares their giving with the giving of the Macedonians. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the saints, For I know your eagerness to help, and I've been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you and Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. This is the word of our Lord. The Holy Gospel now, according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Here we hear part of Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount. They are words that we've already heard in our uh, sermons so far as we consider our life of giving, that new view of life. But it's good to reinforce them here. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I'm going to just get this out of the way and warn you that today's sermon is a little bit unusual. It's not like a normal sermon that I preach. It's not necessarily drawn from the lectionary, the normal cycle of readings that we use. Instead, it is addressing a topic, a topic that we've kind of been alluding to, working our way up to, a topic that has been addressed in our sermon series so far, but now I just want to take head on. It's the topic of money. Now, before we get any further, you need to know that the church doesn't want your money, that God doesn't want your money, that even though we are addressing the topic of money that that's not what it's all about. Our gospel reading makes this perfectly clear. The fact that we've talked about before how the Bible addresses money so often, it's not because it's about money that the Bible addresses money so often, but because the Bible is ultimately about our hearts, about our spiritual lives. And our gospel reading tells us, that we cannot be divided, that we cannot serve God and money. And so one of those things will have to go. The problem isn't that money is the problem. Money, we already know, is a gift given to us. It is a tool. It is something that is neutral. But our sinful hearts have very often become enslaved to money or enslaved to some other thing. And so our money becomes a tool of that slavery. But what does Jesus ultimately want? He ultimately wants our hearts. The church ultimately wants to make sure that your hearts are dialed in to Jesus. And so because money is so often something that is used to take us away from that allegiance We have to talk about, talk about it. We have to address it. And so we are today. I don't know if you have experienced this in your own life, that maybe in, if you're married, that you've had a discussion when it comes to money. Maybe you've found yourselves in a cash crunch where you and your spouse have to talk about what bills are we going to pay and which ones are going to be left behind this month. It can be uncomfortable. Maybe there's been good news in your marriage. Maybe one of you received a promotion and along with that a raise. And so you've had one of those discussions about what is it that we are going to do with this influx of money? How are we going to spend it? How are we going to allocate our new resources? Or maybe, just maybe you've had to have a money talk because You've looked at the Christmas list, and there's a name on there that you haven't been able to recognize, and you ask your spouse, why is it that we're sending this person a Christmas card? And they tell, tell you, oh, well, that's Jake. He's our FedEx man. You know, we see him every day when he comes to deliver your Amazon deliveries. Yeah, that's when you know it's time to have a talk. And if you've had a talk, and if you've thought a lot about money in your relationships, like in your marriage, you'd know that there are people who are savers, and there are people who are spenders. Only, it's more complicated than that, isn't it? Because when it comes down to it, we all end up spending money. We all have to spend our money in some way. What you often find is that there are a lot of different kinds of spenders out there. And so you and your spouse might be spender, one might be a spender and one might be a saver, and you think, ooh, this is the worst. If only we were both spenders or both savers, then things would be a little bit easier. But it's not that simple. Because what if you're different types of spenders? Maybe one of you is an impulse spender. If you're an impulse spender, you're the type of person who goes to a store and sees that easy chair that's there on sale. It's $400 originally, but it's half off, only $200, and so you must have it. And you come home with that $200 chair, and you tell your spouse, look at this, I saved $200, and they look back at you and say, no, it looks like you lost us $200. Maybe you're a revenge spender. These are the type of people who who repress their spending so much. They save and save and save until suddenly, suddenly they need to just spend somewhere. And so maybe they plan that weekend to Vegas, and a few thousand dollars later, they get back and they start that cycle all over again. Maybe you are a status spender. This is something we learn very early on in life. If you're a status spender, you recognized at school that when that one child brought that new toy to show and tell, that suddenly they became very popular in class. And so you begin to believe that you also needed to have the best and the newest thing in order to make yourself popular, in order to win friends. But there are other kinds of spenders out there. Maybe you're more focused on yourself, and you're that special interest spender. You like golf, and you like golf so much that you personally decided that you were going to devote half of your income to golf. And maybe that's a good idea, but maybe your spouse thinks it's a very bad idea, and one day you wake up to realize your golf clubs aren't in the car where you left them, but they're outside by the curb, ready for trash pickup. There are a lot of kinds of spenders out there, and maybe you listen to that list and think, wow, spending, you make it sound like such a negative thing. But it doesn't necessarily have to be. There's another type of spender out there that might be the type of spender that all of us should strive to be. That is the generous spender. That's the kind of spender I think Paul is talking about in our epistle reading from 2 Corinthians 9. This is the type of spender that Paul wishes the Corinthians would strive to be, that they would be just like their Macedonian brothers and sisters in Christ, that they give and they give generously. And this giving, when you hear about generosity, it has very little to do with the amount given. What Paul is actually talking about is the attitude, the spirit of the heart in which that gift is given. See, the Corinthians, they are not a poor people. The Corinthians were people who likely would have been loaded. They would have been very rich. Because if you lived in Corinth, You had the blessing of location. Corinth was much like New York or Hong Kong or Tokyo. Because of its location, it was at the crossroads of trade and commerce. And so there was a lot of money that flowed in and out of Corinth all the time. And as Paul addresses the Corinthians, he's not addressing them based on how much money they give. When he compares them to the Macedonians, what he is comparing is their heart. Because the Macedonians were very poor, and yet they gave out of their poverty, much like the story Jesus told about the widow giving that mite. And Paul says that he wishes the Corinthians would be just like that. And the Corinthians heard that message, and so they too promised to give a gift, a gift to benefit some of the poor Christians back home in Jerusalem. And Paul knew that they wanted to give this gift. He knew that that he didn't demand it, but they freely offered it and promised it. He knew that they were starting to become those generous givers, but he also knew there was a potential pitfall that's where I think we might be today. So far in our stewardship series that we are calling A New View of Life, Pastor Coppen addressed the big picture so that we realize that God is the owner of everything. God is the one who gives gifts to all of us and everything that we have belongs to him. We only manage it. We are only stewards of God's gifts to us. But we also talked about the nature of God's gifts, that God gives to us out of abundance. He gives to us out of his own generosity. And God wants us to imitate him. He wants us to be generous too, so that we as his sons and daughters would would, would reflect his grace in our giving. And when you start to give generously like the Lord has given to us. We talked about how you would know that joy that exists in giving. We talked about how you will be leaving behind this great legacy that that shows other people, the people who are left behind, that your heart was not set in your stuff, that you did not treasure your material possessions. Instead, your treasure, your heart was set upon God, and upon his promises. And so here's the problem, that you've heard all of that so far, and you think, wow, that's really good. I want to live that kind of life. I want to be that kind of generous person. I want my life to be filled with that kind of joy. But wait, I can't do that. I can't live that kind of way because, pastor, I am riddled with debt. See, if I don't pay my debts, if I don't pay my bills, I will have nothing. I will have less than nothing. Even the things that I have will be taken away. I just can't be generous like that, pastor. Or maybe you're somebody who lives on a fixed income. You, you can't make any more money, but you know what? The expenses... They're not getting any less. They creep up, and, and a little bit at a time, they chip away at what you once thought was your generous gift. It's getting smaller and smaller, and what can you do? See, my thought is that when you hear us talk about this generous giving kind of life, that rather than receiving it as this wonderful message that God gives to us, instead you are racked with guilt, You feel helpless. You want to do that, but you can't. The the flesh is willing, but the spirit is weak. The pocketbook is empty. And as Paul writes to the Corinthians, I think he's aware of this very thing, that for a lot of those Corinthians, their heart was in the right place. They had pledged this very generous gift But Paul was afraid that just because they had a plan didn't mean they would be able to follow through on it. And Paul did not want to come and to have his arrival be an arrival that that is filled with guilt and bad feelings, that the Corinthians all of a sudden will regret what they told Paul because guess what, Paul? The money, it's just not there. And so Paul taught those Corinthians. He told them that he would send ahead of time some of his brothers, some of his companions, and that they would help them prepare in advance that gift, that gift that that he didn't demand of them. It wasn't a gift that they owed like a tax. This was something that they themselves pledged, they themselves promised. This was what they wanted to do. And so Paul said that these people ahead of time would prepare everything so that when Paul came, his arrival would be an arrival of joy, and so that he would be able to take that generous offering and bring it back to the Christians in Jerusalem and help them. See, Paul realized here an important principle. See, we've talked a lot about generosity, but we want to take a step back here. To say that if you're somebody who's struggling with generosity, you're struggling with this message, the important thing that Paul realized is that you need to plan ahead of time. You need to plan your giving so that your giving doesn't become something that fills you with a lot of guilt Or so that, like that uh, story that Pastor told last week, that somebody gives an offering and they realize that they gave more than they should, more than they even wanted to. And so that offering is an offering of regret. Paul doesn't want the Corinthians to experience that, and we don't want you to experience that either. And so what we are doing in this time of stewardship focus is is something that we haven't ever done before. This is something that came out of our stewardship board. They said, what if we were able to give to the entire congregation access to Dave Ramsey and some of his financial tools and planning, some of his lectures and classes, and what if we were able to do that at no cost to the congregation? And that dream quickly reached fruition because generous donors stepped forward. People who knew about Dave Ramsey, people who have experienced some of his classes and who saw the change that it made in their own life, that when they had a plan, they quickly realized that their money was no longer controlling them. Instead, they were controlling their money and it opened up to them this life of generosity that they always wanted but couldn't ever have. Those people were generous so that you could access some of these resources, so that you could spend this next year trying to get your own finances in shape. Now look, maybe you don't agree with Dave Dave Ramsey about everything. That's okay. He's not Jesus, but he is someone who loves Jesus. He is someone who loves Jesus and loves that financial world and tries to put those two things together and tries to deliver a message to you that would help you get your finances straight, that would help you understand money in a godly perspective, who would help you try to get everything in order so, again, you would know that joy that previously you didn't have access to. This Sunday, we're having a class between services that is simply an introduction to some of those resources. You can also go straight to our website and click the Ramsey Plus item on our menu, and you can start your own account. You can browse through some of those resources, and when January comes, when that new year comes, we're going to offer a number of different small groups and classes so that you don't have to go through this by yourself because it's not easy sometimes you need somebody to walk alongside you when it comes to finances you need somebody to give you that tough love somebody to tell you no sometimes when you're not able to yourself you need somebody to encourage you along the way we want to help you with that we want to walk alongside you in this journey see It would be easy to just give out pledge cards and say, all right, we've talked about money. We've talked about how God's the owner of everything. We've talked about how God wants you to be generous. So it's time to pony up. How much can you give? But we realize that there's more to it, that there's more to what's happening in your own households. There's more to what's happening in your own life. And so we want to take a step back. And we want to help you get some of those things in order. You shouldn't be controlled by your money. It is a gift that God has given you. And God has given you that gift so that you would be blessed, but also so that you would be a blessing to other people. See, that's what Paul was talking about when he says God loves a cheerful giver. God loves that person Who realizes everything that God has given to them and, and makes a plan for it. See, this isn't just about our money. That's true about your time and your talents as well, isn't it? That unless you make a plan for it, you quickly realize that you run out of time. You run out of energy. You run out of resources. And while making a plan may not be your first thought, it may seem too much like homework. If you make some of these steps, it opens up a new kind of living for you. And I think it's really a godly kind of living. See, when your finances start to come into order, then when it's time to give, then when there's a need, when there's something that you have a passion for, when there's some way that you want to bless somebody, You don't reach into your pocket and say, well, how how much can I give? How, How much is there? How much do I need next week? You have a plan. You are prepared. And you can bless that person. You can bless our congregation. You can bless our school. You can go to work for God's kingdom. And when you live that kind of life, that's when you experience that joy, that joy in generosity. Generosity is not about a dollar amount. It's not about being able to give 10,000 or 100,000 or $1 million. Generosity starts here, it starts in your heart. Maybe you need help with your generosity though. Maybe you need help because you are still weighed down. You are in slavery to your debts. You need a plan. You need help. This year, we want to walk alongside you. We want to be able to bless you in this way so that you can become a blessing and experience that joy on a whole new level. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, who is our Lord and risen Savior. Amen. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thanks again for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. You can continue to hear our online worship services on our website. Just go to stpaulslutheran.net and click worship on the menu. God's blessings to you this day.